They may not have seen it all, but they've experienced. Fourth and 26. Stinks it in trash. AI's crossover. Throwing batteries at J.D. Drew. Brad Lidge hugging Carlos Ruiz. The Legion of Doom. And thousands of wins and losses over three decades of fandom. Talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joe O'Donnell and John Mita. What is up, SoundCloud? What is up, iTunes? It is the Brotherly Love Podcast. Keeping it real as always. Follow us on Twitter at Love Podcast. Joe O'Donnell here with you. Johnny Mita back on the East Coast. What's up, Meats? East Coast. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Having a joke, Joe. Love it. Keeping it real, dude. Glad we're back in a roll. Little uh little hockey off season roll with the BL podcast. Yeah. Um there we go. Got lots to get into. The Philly stink. We'll talk about that grease fire for a few minutes. Glad they gave the manager an extension. Bright one. Who's running this team? Ruben Amaro? Uh, Eagles, OTAs off and running. Of course, there's gossip about who looks good in shorts and T-shirts. All BS, all garbage. Learned that back in the Kevin Curtis days. Stay away from OTA hype. Uh, We are also going to have On the Fly. Bring back an On the Fly. Nice segment of the BL podcast we haven't had in in a minute. But uh, let's start by talking a little hockey, my friend, because the National Hockey League still rolling right along. We've got a Game 7 tomorrow night. The Ottawa Senators stave off elimination last night. By the time most of you download or listen to this podcast, it'll basically be uh, almost puck drop for Game 7 Senators-Penguins for the right to play the Predators. That's right, the Predators in the Stanley Cup Final. John Mita, are you betting against Aunt Cindy and the Penguins? 100%. I mean, <laughs> is there any other answer? No. Um This is going to be an extremely tough game for Ottawa to win. I think it's going to come down to is what what goaltender plays better that night. Yep. So I I think that's going to be crucial. Pittsburgh can turn on any minute. You saw in what was it, game five, where they just oh yeah, seven nothing, seven nothing, just 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 crush them. So I think if it's close, like all the way through, Ottawa has a decent shot to win the game, but. If Pittsburgh jumps on them early, and you also have to look at this too, and it's such a big advantage. You look at all pro sports when it comes comes down to the postseason. You really underestimate what how big home home field advantage is as far as home ice, home court, home field, baseball, whatever. But it just really stays true. You look at a team like Nashville, essentially rolled through the Western Conference because. They handle business at home all the time. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be great. I thought this series had a, a good chance to go seven. It's great that it is. It's going to be a lot of drama, and uh, I'm looking forward to it, and I will be praying. I will be asking my dear God tonight uh, to uh, make sure that Ottawa comes out tomorrow on top. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the goaltending because, uh, again, I didn't see – Really, any of Game 5, a few minutes. I didn't see much of Game 6. Um, but I watched a lot of Game 6 on replay today as I was just kicking around the office. And Craig Anderson looked locked in. What, he had 43, 45 saves? 2-1 win for yeah, the Senators, stave off, uh, stave off elimination. I think a lot of times when you talk about 
big games, you talk about great goaltending. Is Craig Anderson going to get in the Penguins' heads here? I mean, because so many times in a series you have the ups and downs. You know, you have a team that maybe wins two in a row at home. Then the momentum shifts. You have a team that might be down 3-1 in a series. They force a game seven. The momentum can can shift game to game, sometimes within a game. Usually it doesn't carry over often. But the one time it can carry over, in my humble estimation, is when a goaltender gets hot. Because if Craig Anderson is locked in and carries over from game six, does Pittsburgh start to squeeze their sticks at all? That'd be the biggest thing. That's Ottawa's fighting chance in this game. Now, Ottawa has great character. Okay, say what you want about their coach. If you don't like his style, you don't like his attitude, these guys have bought in. Ottawa's here for a reason, okay? You talk about Craig Anderson, his wife diagnosed with cancer earlier this season. You look at Clark MacArthur, who missed like an entire season and came back basically during the playoffs for Ottawa, uh, an emotional type of leader. You look in up and down their lineup, they have guys that have uh, have – you know, some of those great stories. They have been a resilient group all year. And they are built on that bread and butter, which is defense. Their power play has been atrocious during the postseason. Atrocious. So, you know, when you consider the fact their power play has been so, uh, for the most part, embarrassing in like a, in a historical context, my thought is that tells you that they're, a, they're an absolute great 5-on-5 team. They're a great defensive team. They are structured. They are committed. And that's what you need to win on the road in a big game. So can Craig Anderson get into the the, the Penguins' head a bit, uh, their collective heads? Can he continue his mastery that he kind of found in Game 6 after getting shelled and pulled in Game 5? Can he get into Pittsburgh's collective heads early in this game with some big saves? If he does that, and as you pointed out, Ottawa kind of hangs in this game, they certainly got a chance at the end. Now, with all that said, I picked... Pittsburgh to win the series. I picked Nashville to advance as well. I thought we are going to see a Penguins-Predators final. Predators taking the cup. Ryan jo- uh, Johansson's injury in Nashville certainly hurts Nashville's chances, but I'm not going to change my pick here. Um, I'm pulling like hell for the Senators because I hate the Penguins. But at the end of the day, I think it's great for the National Hockey League. You've got a Game 7. When you look at the NBA playoffs, you had a sweep, and you're going to have basically a five-game series Cleveland-Boston. This is great for hockey, albeit... You'd much rather have Pittsburgh in from a rating standpoint, from a uh, a marquee standpoint, if you're National Hockey League. I think tomorrow night's going to be a great Game 7, and I think it really could go either way. So I'm not going to make a prediction here and, and tell you one team's going to win, but certainly it's hard to bet against a guy like Crosby who's been there, done that, and obviously Pittsburgh has a Game 7 win already this playoff year. So should be fun, but great to see a great series, um, and I think both teams very deserving of getting to where they've gotten at this point. Uh, quickly, since I mentioned the NBA playoffs, we probably won't be on again before, uh, well, we could be because the NBA takes like 17 weeks off in between series. I guess June 1 is going to be the start of the NBA finals. Anything jump out to you in the in the NBA playoffs? I mean, we're going to get the matchup we all thought we would eventually, Cleveland and Golden State. Yeah, I mean, that that's basically it. The two, two best teams all year, it's coming back. This is going to be round three. It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. You know, will Kevin Durant, be able to get his championship ring. That's why he left Oklahoma City. It's going to be great drama. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're on so much rest. It's ridiculous that game one starts like eight days from now. I mean, that, that's that's a joke. I know they planned it out through the fact that some of these other series went like seven games. But come on, let's get the party started. Yeah. The NBA playoffs have yeah. been so terrible so far. 
why not get the series that everybody wants to see? Let's just get it kicked off right away. So it's going to be great drama. I will be pulling for Golden State. I can't stand LeBron. He's a little crybaby. I don't, I don't think, well, listen, he is a fantastic player. He's an unbelievable talent. He will go down as one of the all-time, all-times. But I just, yeah. Does your hatred like does your hatred for Crosby or LeBron run deeper? Uh, I'm assuming it's Crosby because he's haunted the Flyers more. You know, LeBron plays against the Sixers. It feels like not nearly as much as Crosby and the Penguins face off against the Fly guys. But it, it fair to say your hatred for Crosby a little bit deeper or no? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Just Sidney Crosby's a hate to face and a, another <laughs> phenomenal super talent. But you just. He just—it's just a guy you want to just take behind the witch and just beat on. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just—I don't know. That's how I feel. LeBron, I just—I didn't like the way he whined this year when he didn't have enough players. I mean, give me a break. They got Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love, like two of the top 10, 15 players in the NBA, alongside of him. I don't want to—I don't want to hear him crying. Well, he didn't have enough shooters. Then they go out and get you know Kyle Korver. And the one thing I didn't like is anytime. Somebody comes at LeBron, let it be the national media, like Charles Barkley or somebody else. If he doesn't like what he has to say, he doesn't really have that thick skin. He just comes after people personally. Like when he came after Charles Barkley and brought up all this stuff in the past, I'm like, you're really showing your true colors here. If you're the best, be the best and play the best. And, you know, stop talking and just go out and do it. So this is going to be a great series. It's going to be a. Uh, it's going to be a showdown. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, hopefully, this is the series that everybody's been waiting for the entire playoff run, as regards in regards to the NBA playoffs. Let's shift to the Philadelphia Eagles. E a g l e s, Eagles. Here we go. Let's go, Eagles. It's uh, it's the beauty pageant. Shorts and t-shirts. OTAs. They are they are optional. They're volunteer. Um, you you yeah. volunteer to be there. No Jason Peters. No Fletcher Cox. No MVP Hall of Fame punter Donnie Jones. You care about any of that? I, I, I just let me just let me just make this clear. Um yes, I understand that these are optional. They're not mandatory. The mandatory camp for all veterans doesn't really start until three weeks. But when you're getting paid a hundred million dollars and last season he had a decent season. But it wasn't a great season. And when everybody talks about in the offseason that you're basically building around Fletcher Cox and he's not there to take some of the rookies under the wing, some of the young players, and set the example, okay, you're on vacation. My whole thing is you were done in January. You have months to plan vacation. Why would you pick this weekend not to be around? It's only three days. That's it. So it's just disappointing. Am I upset? I'm worried about like, oh my God, hit the red alert button? No, I'm not there. But at the same time, you want to be the best, then show up and be a professional. And I don't think it's that much to ask for a guy to show up for three days. Is it? I really don't. Is it a double standard? Is it a double standard that that Jason Peters, at least from what I've gathered, is most likely getting a little bit more of a pass because of age and health concerns? Yeah, I mean that's I could see that he's probably in the ice bath as we speak right now, and that <laughs> the cryo chamber, exactly. But 
Timmy Jernigan, a guy that they trade for, this is a defensive tackle that's going to play alongside Fletcher Cox. It'd be nice for them to get a little, hey, how are you? Get to know each other. Little chemistry there. Yeah. It just, it's very important for these guys all to be on the same page. Is this and an then, indictment, John Mead? Is this an indictment on Doug Peterson? I don't think it's an indictment on him. You think Fletcher Cox is, is holding out if his coach is, I don't know, Bill Belichick, uh, John Harbaugh when he was, you know, running things in San Francisco and running them well? I mean, you think this happens if if uh, if Andy Reid was the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, dare I say? Well, Tom Coughlin, Andy Reed, you know. It's funny you bring up Andy Reid. So Jeremy Macklin, former Eagles wide receiver, got married this weekend. And he showed up at OTAs. He put his honeymoon on hold, and he showed up at OTAs because he said, I was injured last season. I had a terrible season. I need to get back and get back to work. You know, that's what you're looking for. And it's, I don't think it's a direct indictment on Doug Peterson, but my whole thing is, uh, the one thing that worries me is if other players see this, young players, uh, second-year players see this, well, Fletcher got away with it. You know, we didn't really want to be here. And then once that precedent starts, then it becomes a big snowball effect. And I think that's where we can run into problems. I just, essentially, they can't, you know, as far as the collective bargaining agreement goes with all the rules today with the CBA, like you can't make the guy come here. Now, when he misses mandatory, then that's a big problem. But it just, you got paid a big, big contract. You got paid that contract because essentially Chip Kelly screwed the hell up and he didn't pay Fletcher Cox a year earlier when he became the pseudo general manager. So it's it's just not a good look. Am I totally worried? I think we should, you know, put some panic button? No. But, you know, you want to be a player, you want to be a leader on this defense, then show up in your shorts and visor and get the work. I, I, you know what? I tend to agree. I don't know that I agreed before. We jumped on here tonight on the Brotherly Love podcast, but I think you sold me. You know what? It, it 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 is his job to be here or to be there, and if he's not, it you know it just does give a little bit of that bad taste. It's just something that's asked by the reporters. It's something that's talked about in the room. It's something that makes some national or local media. It's just not necessary. Just show up, even if you're on the sidelines for crying out loud. Even if you don't participate, just be there. Um, and again, I don't know I necessarily thought like that even just a few minutes ago. So nice work there. All right, uh, I want to I bring this to your attention. I, I think I sent this to you late last night. But Marcus Hayes, columnist for the Daily News, uh, much maligned at times, wrote a piece that aired March, uh, rather May 24th, so just earlier today. Uh, and again, I know, look, you got to remember this. The headline writers are not the columnists or the journalists themselves or the beat writer, or the reporter, the stringer, whatever you want to call them. They don't write the headlines. But the headline reads, Eagles not happy, Wentz went to QB gurus. Okay? And now this piece, Marcus Hayes is talking about how the Eagles uh, were not thrilled that Carson Wentz spent some time, this most recent offseason, with a group known as 3D QB. Okay? They've worked with Tom Brady. They've worked with... Lesser-known quarterbacks such as Terrell Pryor. Uh, we saw Tim Tebow, you and I were just talking on their on their uh, testimonial list. Drew Brees has gone and worked with Tom House and this 3D QB group. And Carson Wentz took it upon himself to find a little extra time for a little extra work, and he went and joined this group 
uh, in Los Angeles, uh, as, as Hayes says, to, quote, find a better version of himself. The next line says the Eagles obviously were not thrilled, and then he goes, you can't blame them. Now, there's some quotes from Doug Peterson. They're not overwhelming either way. When you're reading a quote, sometimes you can interpret it differently than the person next to you. I watched the video of Doug Peterson's press conference where he answered one of the questions about Wentz working there. He talked about the subtle things that you can improve on in a camp like that or uh, with a group like that. He didn't seem pleased, but he also didn't seem all ticked off. Now, could he have been like, yes, this is great. We're glad Carson takes it upon himself for extra work. Sure. Did he? Unequivocally, no. He did not. Uh, he is catching Marcus Hayes for writing this piece some flack locally. Crossing Broad, very well-respected blog and podcast. Um, you know, in some regards, uh, I don't want to say a mentor for the brother, uh, Brotherly Love podcast since the guy won't return a tweet or come on our airwaves the few times I've asked. But certainly he is had a vision for what he does locally, and he provides a very friendly website for clicks. He's always active on social media, and his podcast is killing it right now by all accounts. So far be it from me to not crossing broad and the work he does. However, he's just roasting Marcus Hayes over this thing. That's how I saw the article. He's crushing him on Twitter that this is basically a bunch of garbage journalism. Then today he was at it, was Kyle Scott crossing broad, saying that even Howard Eskin is all over Marcus Hayes. Now, Marcus Hayes, for the most part, is a lousy journal uh, journalist. I mean, I think you and I both agree upon that. His best work is behind him. He's not very likable from a reader's standpoint, for whatever reason. I don't know why that is. That's just the way it is. Now, with all that said, I'm not going to jump on Marcus Hayes here. I kind of think he's actually uncovered something that might be there. Now, could that be speculation? Could that be a leap of faith on my behalf? Maybe. But let's think about this for a minute. You've got John DeFlippo. You've got Doug Peterson. Last year, you had Chase Daniel. You have Frank Reich. What did we hear all last year, John Mita, about the quarterback room when the Eagles started 3-0? and Oh, great quarterback room. That's what's made Wentz successful. He's got all these former quarterbacks in there. Great job the Eagles surrounding uh, by the Eagles surrounding Carson Wentz with all these former quarterbacks, all this quarterback talent, right? They think they're quarterback gurus. So what's Wentz do after his first year? He goes and sees somebody else. I don't know. If I'm the coaches, I'm probably a little bit caught off guard as well. You don't see it that way? Yeah, I can honestly say that I don't see it that way. And here, here's my reasoning behind that. The reason why I don't see it that way is, I just think it's a guy that wants to just do some extra work and preparation in the offseason. So how does he go about it? Well, he figures out, okay, who are the best who are the best guys that that know the quarterback trader? Who are the great teachers that have helped some of the best players in the league? Two of their students were Tom Brady and Drew Brees. And they have great reputation. I just think he wants to improve maybe his mechanics. Now if what they're teaching is going against everything that what the Eagles are trying to teach Wentz, then yes, I would totally agree that it would be a bad idea. But I think it's more of just sharpening the saw, just getting that extra preparation so that he can make a larger impact in his second year, be more prepared. Now that he knows how the speed of the game is, it's just time for him to work on some of the mechanical issues. So if the Eagles brass is upset because the guy wants to get some more, that's how you become the best. The best players in this league, number one, have to have the talent. 
but number two, have just fantastic work ethic. And I think that's what separates players. So I'm not really totally upset by this at all. Well, look, I'm not upset. I'm not upset either. I don't care if Carson Wentz offends Doug Peterson. You know how I feel about Poopy Peterson, and I agree 100. percent You want to be the best. You have to put in the extra work. I get all that. On the surface, this is the move. Get all the work you can because you want to. You know, you prepare like a pro. You want to work harder than anybody else. You don't want year two to resemble year one from a lack of success from a team standpoint. What's one way to do that? Have an elite quarterback. How do you do that? You put in the time. But I'm just saying. Take don't look at this on the surface. Look at this from the Eagles' vantage point. Whether it's Howie Roseman, whether it's Doug Peterson, whether it's um, you know Flip, Coach Flip. I mean, you have to look at it how they would see this, which is apparently they didn't know that he was gonna go or he didn't ask. Then he went, and then they have this you know nosy reporter being like, "Does this upset you guys? What do you think about this?" Now, Marcus Hayes didn't have a whole lot of substance in here. You know, he gets a comment from Lane Johnson, and then he makes a snide remark like, thanks, Lane. You know, he, he bounces around a little bit. He's talking about how they didn't endorse it. I mean, there's not a whole lot there where the Eagles are saying, we didn't allow this, we're disappointed. He didn't get much from Peterson, but he also didn't get a ringing endorsement. He took it and ran with it that the Eagles are probably pissed, and you don't need to read between the lines. It's right there for you, you know, that Wentz, despite being kind of ho-hum and all shucks, made a mistake here. Again, I'm not going to say he made a mistake and went out for extra work, but I'm not going to sit here and crush Marcus Hayes like some people are doing in the Philadelphia media for what I think could be he could be onto something here. And he's getting buried for basically some of these assumptions he's making, and I just don't think that's fair. So am I taking shots at other people that do the same things we do at a higher level? No. Am I taking a shot at Carson Wentz for getting extra work? No. But I'm saying if you take a moment and take this from the Eagles' perspective with how highly they think their whole group is, they had to be probably a little bit caught off guard that a rookie quarterback or now a second-year quarterback went kind of outside the system to work on things that they want to work with them on every day. You know, I know they can't because of the rules in the CBA as far as offseason goes, but they want to be the ones to put the touch on this guy because their future is tied to his future. So... For whatever all that's worth. But anyway, I guess the point is, good job by Carson Wentz to put in the extra work. If the Eagles are butthurt about it, I can see their perspective in some regards. I wouldn't be crushing Marcus Hayes, who to me hasn't written a whole lot of this type of nonsense or really anything meaningful that I found on Philly.com in quite some time. You want to call 3DQB right here on the air, Johnny Meter? Ah, give a shot. Right. They're in Los Angeles. Seven o'clock. Yeah. We can leave a message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll leave a message. See if they'll call me back. This is uh, groundbreaking, <sighs> groundbreaking brotherly love podcast material. Impromptu segment. No, let's see. This mailbox is not available at this time. Really? Oh God! What type of QB Thank class you. is it? Goodbye. Oh man, that was wow. Maybe they screen calls. Wow, what if we're a big bet? Well, you know what? Well, well, you're calling for a minute. Well, not too many good QBs coming out of Iowa these days. Yeah, let me, uh, maybe I dialed wrong. Come on, update your website, 3DQB. Come on. You could send them an email. The user's there mailbox is not available. Wow, user's mailbox not available. That's Bush League. All right, so so much for having 3DQB live on the air. You imagine if, like, some secretary answers, she's working late at night. Clean up some paperwork. 
Yeah, we like to speak to Tom House. This is John and Joe from the Brother Love yeah, Podcast. He's expecting our call. <laughs> we're we're calling about the Wentz wagon. Are you familiar yeah. with the Wentz wagon, ma'am? Um, yeah, like you gotta get on the Wentz wagon, Tom. Yeah, come on, <laughs> come on. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's for some reason waste a few minutes Shift, bashing dude. the Philadelphia yeah. Phillies. Uh, about to lose again. That would put them uh, 14 games below 500. At, at one point, the Mason at one point, I'm pretty sure this team was 11 and 11 or 12 and 12, which would put yeah, them at about were. three wins or four wins and I don't know 16 losses or so. So like three and 16, four and 16, their last 20 games. What the hell happened after that winning streak gone back to 500? Uh, obviously, they can't hit. They're falling behind early. The pitching's abysmal. They seem lost. I mean, they're unwatchable. I, You know me. I'll watch as much as I humanly can. I haven't really turned them on much the last week or so. This is embarrassing. Um, I'd like to say rebuild, but they're in a rebuild. So what the hell happens from here? Well, I mean, phew, you can just throw my prediction right out the window and toss it, down the, uh, toss it in the fire because I had this team breaking Vegas' number. But at this point, man, this is uh, very unsettling. You're right. This team is unwatchable for many reasons. Uh, their pitching staff. The reason why they were 11-11, Joe, early was they were getting some good starting pitching. Now the wheels have turned off, have totally fallen off. You have pitchers in the bullpen criticizing the coaching staff, not saying they know what their roles are. You had Vincent Velasquez come out the other day. I don't know, you probably didn't hear this in Iowa, but he came out and essentially criticized the pitching coach, Bob McClure. He's like, I'm trying everything, but at some point, you know, I need I need somebody to uh, you know give me some more instructions. So that is a dangerous sign. You had Pete McCannon; he gets the extension. You look at a guy like Michael Franco. We're thinking, oh my God, this is the third baseman superstar that we've been looking for since Michael Jack Schmidt. And all in all, he looks like he's regressing. And they hired a new hitting coach, Matt Stairs. He was supposed to change the approaches. Uh, the plate approaches of many players on this team, that seems to be fizzling out. The bullpen has just been, forget greased fire, okay? Let's just call it for what it is. Right now, it's a forest fire. The whole, <laughs> the whole bullpen is burning up right now. They can't get anybody out. I mean, if you turn it over the bullpen, although they've done a decent job tonight, Adam Morgan comes in with some stellar work, but we haven't seen that in 20 years. But it's it, it's bad on every end. It is, it, it's terrible. And I, right now, I don't think they can get any worse. So by saying that, you never want to say that. But you hope they can they can find some improvement here. And my whole thing is this. Okay, so if you don't see any improvement, like right now, they they sat Michael Fr- Mikel Franco down for a couple days in a row, try to get his head cleared. You know, they've been doing that pretty much all season. Give him a day off here and there. Maybe he'll get right again. But if you don't see if you don't see any you know good positive results in the next couple of weeks, I think now, like you said before, and you mentioned a rebuild. I think it's time to turn the table and maybe start bringing up some of these young guns to see if they have the ability to play on this level moving forward. 
I, I just don't think they're going to do that. I, everything Matt Clentak has said is that they're you know they want those guys to play every day in the minors and yada yada. Well, I, I guess your point would be bring them up, let them play every day in the majors. But I, I think what I'd want to see is probably Clentak's track record previously. You know, when he spent time with other organizations before becoming the Phillies GM, how did those organizations handle their younger players? Did there come a time where they said, screw it, the process is out the window, throw the piece of paper in the trash, and we move on? Uh, we flip the script here. We bring up the young guys. Do they panic at some point? Is, is Clentac's personality such where he'll just ride this thing out right into the, you know, the, the worst record in baseball, the number one pick, and get ready for next year? I mean, that's that's just... That's a long way away, man. We're talking about being, you know, 40 some games into the season when you got to play 162 and be talking already about next year or blowing this thing up. Uh that's that's embarrassing. That's that is not what was supposed to happen this year. There was talk of 500 baseball in spring training. Not one person, managerial wise, front office wise, player wise should open their mouth, uh open their mouth with those types of statements. And this type of crap we're going to see throughout the year. So, uh, definitely disappointing on the Phils. My God, can it please get better sooner? Uh, sooner rather than later. All right, here we go. On the fly. Am I missing anything so far? Oh, NFL made some rule changes. I mean, annoying. Like, yeah. give me a break. Yeah. I want. Yeah, yeah. Last thing I want is more ties. Good job, Roger Goodell. What's, what is five yeah. less minutes? How many snaps is that probably? <laughs> Seriously. Um, I 20 snaps? 15. Yeah. Let's call it twenty snaps. Like, yeah. are we we're that concerned about twenty snaps for player safety that now we're going to have like five more ties a season, two more ties a season? I mean, ties are embarrassing. I told you before, have the field goal kicker kickoff, right? <laughs> have the shootout for field goal kickers. Don't even bring out the line of scrimmage. Don't even bring out the blockers. You can let these guys get down to their shorts for all I care, shorts and flip flops, and let's just have it out. Start with a forty-yard field goal. It's it's do or die, sudden death. I mean that's that's the way to do. It. I, Uncle, we're gonna have more ties now. I hate ties. Donovan McNabb didn't even know they were in the goddamn league. It's embarrassing. All right. Uh, so yeah, NFL celebration, yeah. whatever. Um, yeah. On the fly. On the fly. What do you got for me? All right, Joe. This, this on the fly was a discussion I had. Was one of the boys around here, our boy John, the mayor, class. Ah, the mayor, the mayor, checking in with this crash, which is just going to be hilarious once I give it to you. So he would say, "Yeah," he said, "Who would you put on the top five all-time NBA all Caucasian team?" And you got to go position by position. All right. Well, you're gonna have to help me with positions here. I got to get rolling before uh, I forget them all. John Stockton's on my team. What's he a point guard? Point guard. Okay. He's Fact, he's in there. He'd be on my list. Thunder Dan Marley, shooting guard or small oh, forward? Uh, Thunder Dan, if you, he's a small forward. Okay. You're going to take him over Larry Bird? Come on, Joe. Thunder, Thunder Dan Marley. Well, I don't know the positions again. You got to help, help me all out right. here. He's all a right. small forward. He's all right. no shooting guard. All right, so then he's out. Forward. So he's out. Uh, Dirk yeah. Nowitzki, he's on the team for sure. What's he? Power, Power forward? forward? Okay. Okay. Is he Is he better than Kevin McHale? You take Dirk over Kevin McHale. Yes, yes. All right. I can't okay. have two Celtics okay. on the team. I'm, I can't have two Celtics. Yeah, I, yeah, uh, I, white okay. center. Right. White center. Was the G-man, was Jeminski a center? Yeah, Jeminski. <laughs> There's got to be a way better white center than uh, than the G-man. The uh, G-man. Who do you got for me? Who else am I missing here? Who's a white uh, center? 
Uh, you might have to not going to be Sean Mikan. Bradley. That's, no, it's definitely not. George Mikan? Maybe get George Mikan? Perhaps Arvidas? Sabonis? No, come on. I'd take <laughs> Sean Bradley over those so. losers. At least, Bradley's, oh at least Bradley's a freak to look at. Right, um, right. we got to go on shooting guard. Shooting guard. Let's go shooting All right, guard. I'm not allowed to look now, this, this is, up, right? Shooting guard. Yeah, yeah, give me give me yeah. multiple choice here. Who do you got? All right, all right. You got the great Jerry West or Chris Mullen. Who you take? Chris Mullen in a heartbeat. Boom. Chris Mullen. All right, okay. So I got all Mullen right. and Stockton. They're working it around. I got right. Sean Bradley, yeah. who's hurt by halftime. I got Novitsky, the German uh, assassin or whatever they call him. And I need a small yeah. forward. You said that you said uh, none other. Uh, None other than Larry the Legend. All right, I'll take that team. Yeah. Let's go. All right, Let's go pick know. up ball. We're playing right. small ball anyway. Bradley's on the bench. <laughs> small ball. Right on. All right, I like That's that on the fly. Guy. That's a good one, the all-Caucasian NBA team. I butchered it, but <laughs> yeah. you need to give me, yeah. like, the uh, all-black NHL team. That one I could have rocked and rolled. little Jerome McGinn out there. There we go. Throw Subban right. on the back end. Uh, what about Anthony Carter? Do we go Grant Fiorinet or we throw a little Kevin Weeks in there? I don't know. Oh, uh, Danson Anson? Go. For sure, Danson Anson. You got to go Grant Fiorinet. Danson Anson for Kevin sure. Weeks, oh, man. Fred Brathwaite? Uh, <laughs> all right, I like that one. Good job by the mayor. All right, all on right. the fly for you. You are Sixers general manager Brian Colangelo. You are yeah. not going to make the third overall draft pick. Give me a creative scenario other than staying put and drafting at number three that the Sixers could pull off in the draft. Creative right, juices we're, we're, here. Creative juices. You're Colangelo. Right. You're doing anything you want other than sitting tight at three. I trade down to five, and then I end up taking Dennis Smith at that point, and then you secure another first-round draft pick. That's what I would do. So you're Wait. getting the Kings <laughs> five and ten for three? Yep. Yep, and then I'll give them their pick back that they owe us the following year. I don't know if that's possible huh. through the rules. It's either that or I give them the Lakers pick. But 5 and 10, I get a guy like Dennis Smith at 5, right? And then at 10, I would take a guy like Lori Marketing, who is a you know 6'10", Dirk Nowitzki-like type of player who would fit in as that stretch four, that kind of the role that Iliasova played for this team, and that's the way I go with it. So you get a guard and, like, a really good stretch four out of it. So you'd end up with two top ten picks this year. You'd give up one of your future first-rounders that you've acquired from another team anyway. Right. The Lakers probably unprotected team pick. All right. All right. All right. I like it, brother. Another good episode. By the way, I saw the Chili Peppers last night. What did you think, man? Dude, Dude, they killed it. They were funky. They played for Joe. They were like an hour and 45 minutes. Like when I saw them, they played for like an hour and 15, 20 minutes. Dude. Nah, dude. Unacceptable they, for a headliner. They were funky. They came out and literally jammed. Yeah. Just no Anthony Kiedis. The other three original members came out and literally for like two or three minutes just killed it. No vocals, not just absolute. Like started with kind of a jam session and then we're just bringing the house down. That's what they opened with for like three minutes. Then Anthony wow. Kiedis came out, and they went into uh, all around the world. You know, a little bit of a tribute there for the the terrorist attack in Manchester, with kind of the hook of that song being about you know love and yeah. 
Um, yeah. At one point, Anthony uh, Kiedis was like ripping the uh, set list off of the stage and throwing them in a trash can, dude. They just went off the they went off the reservoir for Des Moines, Iowa. It was great, dude. Yeah, they well, did a cover yeah, of Brandy, a cover of Brandy, dude. Really? Yeah. Wow. And that was a tight show. The one I saw, I got to be honest with you, man. I was they were on my bucket list bands to see for a very long time, and I was just. Totally disappointed because yeah. they like literally played for like an hour and ten minutes. Yeah, I mean almost they were every on the stage. Yeah, they dude. were good. Yeah, but I just like you go to other bands like one of my favorite bands, Pearl Jam. I mean, they'll sit there and they'll rock out for two hours and twenty minutes. So, yeah, this anyway. was uh, a lot of jams at the end of songs. You know, extending them out, drum solo, bass solo. Right. Uh, yeah, dude, it was really good. Bringing out like other guitarists. They had some dude rocking the keyboard for some tracks. They played like maybe their two new radio singles and everything else for the most part. I feel like I knew uh, outside of a track or two. They did, you know, at least that one cover. I'm sure there was something else in there that I, you know, wasn't them that they probably just jammed on. Uh, they ended with Under the Bridge and then their encore. They finished with uh, favorite song with Give It Away. So, uh, I, yeah, wow. dude, they killed it. Chili wow. Peppers were really good. They rocked it. It was both funky and like hard rock um, and a lot of energy. Really, really good stuff. Really well, good no stuff. wonder you were feeling a little under the weather, but I didn't know you were rocking out in <laughs> Iowa. Like. Yeah, dude, you know, the show's ended at 11 o'clock. I can handle that. <laughs> yeah, okay, buddy. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's go West Coast to wrap it up. Little la da 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 All right, Johnny, mate. Good stuff as always. All right, buddy. Always a pleasure, man. Thanks for everybody listening and thoughts and prayers for the people out of Manchester across the pond from us. Um, you know, our hearts and thoughts are with those people that have suffered that devastating attack out there. And just, you know, let, let's just put an end to terrorism. I can't take it anymore. Like, and let's everybody be on the list, you know? Like, it's time for everyone to start talking and, and put an end to this together. Well said, brother. Senseless, senseless stuff that we don't need for sure. Oh, God. All right. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast for John Mead and Joe Donald. Appreciate all the love and support. Till next time. Go birds, we'll sit. When she got in the back door, looking at me strange, but you know I don't care. Step up in this, just a swing in my talking. Walk if you Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. Put it down.